Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3, and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand, thanks for hanging out, smash that subscribe, smash that like, and come and join us in the chat, aka the Cover 3 tailgate, getting interactive here on a Thursday, because... We're going to open up that big old bag of mail. I was digging through it last night. We got some great questions where listeners have gone. They've given us a five-star review, and in that review, they have put their mailbag question, including a nice little game that we like to play often here on the Cover 3 podcast, Bowl or No Bowl, that one coming from the five-star mailbag, plus uh, some questions that have been lingering, including Virginia Tech. That's one to keep an eye on, especially as we're starting to see those initial preseason ratings uh, grow and grow and grow. Uh, we got some questions from the tailgate, the early birds who already got in. We will get to you as well. But we got to begin with something like I, I just – Oh, yeah, there's Danny. Thank you for showing it. Danny's not here today. Danny's currently in the dentist's. You know, things are going a little long. You could see some swelling there on the right side. So we're just just proud of Danny for going to the dentist. That's true. Danny's fear of the dentist was something that we had to overcome as a show. You know, early on with the dentist being such a key part of the Cover 3 universe. And and I'm proud of him. I, Mm -hmm. I think that's what we say. So. Danny was hoping he'd be able to make it. We'll see if he gets out of the chair. Can we get that photo one more time for everybody here? I mean, if you're watching our YouTube.com slash cover three, we, we need to give you the goods because that's some that 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 is an experience that I think a lot of people have been through before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't it get wouldn't it be a Thursday show without the dentist making an appearance. <laughs> Are they gonna let him keep the glasses? Well, you know, they they <laughs> you don't get to pick the glasses. They they pick the glasses for you uh, along the way. All right. So I, uh, we're going to begin 
with something that uh, already I've seen on um, you know social media. A lot of people have reached out because, guys, I uh, I'm so sorry. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. The coaching carousel is spinning again. As news breaks here on this Thursday morning, uh, I first saw it from 24-7 Sports Matt Zenitz, always on top of uh, the breaking news. And Matt reported that sitting head coach, Georgia State, Sean Elliott, is going to be leaving to become the tight ends coach at South Carolina. Sean Elliott at South Carolina, you remember it before. He was an assistant on Steve Spurrier's staff after Steve Spurrier um, left his post midseason. Sean Elliott took over, so he was the, the one-time interim head coach of the Gamecocks. So, again, I, I, I'm i so sorry. The, co- the coaching carousel is just never, ever going to end. But the thing that's interesting here is that it's a sitting head coach at a program in Georgia State that was the bowl team, you know, that was top Georgia state. I'd say top half. They were wildly inconsistent yeah. throughout the season, they but had two top, different seasons last year, a top half Sunbelt team for Sean Elliott. And he's leaving that to go be a position coach at South Carolina. Tom, big deal or small deal. Let's, let's figure this out because we can throw it on to, Kane Womack leaving his position as the head coach at South Alabama to go be defensive coordinator at Alabama. We could throw it on top of Mo Lindquist leaving his position at head coach of Buffalo, leaving that post to go be an assistant on Kalen DeBoer's staff at Alabama. Sean Lewis last year left his job as a Mac head coach to go be an offensive coordinator at Colorado. Not crazy, but we haven't seen a lot of this. Big deal or small deal with, uh, with Sean Elliott leaving Georgia State to go be an assistant at South Carolina. A bigger deal than some want to make it and a smaller deal than others want to make it. Yay. It's, now let's unpack it. It's, uh, it's, it's, there's, we're seeing this and we see this in a lot of things. When it happens, one side is like, well, no, it's not because of NIL. And then the other side is it's definitely all because of NIL. The truth is it's somewhere in the middle. Sean Elliott's got plenty of reasons to leave Georgia State. Things are, you know, they lost most of the team. They've kind of stagnated. And there's a good chance, like if you looked at the SP plus ratings and the returning production ratings from our friend Bill Connolly, it's not looking very promising for Georgia State in 2024. And then you look at his salary at Georgia State, the difference he's going to get being the head coach at Georgia State compared to what he's going to get as a position coach at South Carolina, probably not going to be that consequential if it's consequential at all. The difference is the workload. We can, you know, coaches, we've talked about this every show now for a few weeks. Coaches will bring up the NIL, they will bring up the transfer portal, and they will bitch and they will moan about it, just like they bitch and they moan about everything. But the fact is, when it happens once, it's an outlier. When it happens twice, the eyebrow raises a little bit. When it's happening three, four, five, six times, it's an eyebrow raiser. Like you could say, it's not just the NIL and all that stuff. But how many previous off-seasons have we seen so many sitting head coaches willingly take demotions? Like, you can reset your clock just by getting fired. Sean Elliott didn't have to leave Georgia State to go be a tight end coach because he could be afraid he couldn't get a tight ends coach job. He could have just gotten fired and then become a tight ends coach somewhere or something else. So 
there is something to it. Yeah. Like these guys, the juice isn't worth the squeeze for a lot of these guys being the head coach anymore. The head coach, being a head coach used to be the goal. It used to be the ultimate to what you wanted to do if you were in this profession. And now a lot of guys are sitting in that chair and they're like, you know what? Not really enjoying it all that much. I'd rather just go coach football. So is NIL the only reason he's doing it? No. Is part is it part of the reason? Yeah. How many guys are winning are doing this? Far fewer. Well, he, right? He just got I mean, to a bowl last year. They they finished Jeff fifth. Hadley got to a bowl last year. They finished fifth in their own. Chip division. Kelly got to a bowl last year. Yeah, but like the fan base has wanted Chip Kelly out. The fan base wanted Jeff Hathley out. Both guys, if they had slipped even a little bit, are probably fired. Sean Elliott, I think, is definitely fired after 2024, given that they just finished fifth in the division with the team that he liked in the preseason last year. And now, as you mentioned, they're 129th in returning production. I, I'm i fine with using some of the NIL excuse on some of these. I think it's total BS here. Sean Elliott didn't build a good enough roster for them to have a good team coming back this year. And he, I think he knew he was going to be fired. But even though I don't think that's really what this is about, mm. I think it's about two things. Number one, do you know he traveled separately from the team last year for road games? No. Because I found this article in the Columbia Star. His son and family still lives in Columbia from when he was t- you know, he was coaching at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. His son plays football for AC Flora. According to Columbia Star, he made every game last year. That is not something that I've ever heard of a head coach being able to do if he has a son who plays outside of you know the, the town in which you live, and especially not if your team has a road game. His daughter apparently goes there as well. I, it, it looks like the family still lives in Columbia. So I actually don't think this is a pay cut at all because the cost of living in Atlanta compared to Columbia is a significant downgrade, and you'll probably make more money potentially as South Carolina's tight ends coach and maybe run game guy, if that's the job he gets. So I think he was going to be fired. Significant downgrade in the roster quality from a team that just finished fifth in their own division in the Sun Belt. I don't really buy into this NIL idea, specifically in this case, because nobody in the Sun Belt has NIL. Like we know some guys who coach in the Sun Belt. They don't have NIL. They're not competing in their own league against teams that have like legitimate NIL really in, in really in any case. So probably not a pay cut gets to be with the family all the time back to where they clearly wanted to be given that that's like go to high school in Columbia didn't move to Atlanta. I'm just, I'm calling BS on this. Like I, I, I agree that it has probably never been more annoying to be a head coach, but not, I, I can't buy that for this one. But to counter that, yeah, Georgia State doesn't have NIL. That's the damn problem. That's why part of the reason Chip Kelly's leaving UCLA. If you're Georgia State and your teams in the Big Ten do have NIL, UCLA yeah, and they can not. just come and take your players from you but at teams, any damn time they want. But and that's why you're tired of being the head coach because you're they're not stealing your players. Who has NIL. Like nobody in the Sun Belt has NIL. You're not competing against those teams. No, you're competing against. You're the competing fact against that- Ohio State saying, "Hey, I like that running back. Let's go get him." Sure, and so is everybody else. Yeah, and league. that's why head coaches no longer want to deal with this shit because they're tired of having their players poached from them. They'd Not rather just go be, be the fired. tight end like, coach. Mo, Mo Linguist was going to get fired at Buffalo if he turned another season like that, right? Yeah. Chip but Kelly if, was going to get fired. Jeff Hathley was going to get fired if he turned another season. When and they it, reset their clocks, people. right? 
They did. Are you resetting your clock by going to South Carolina right now? Absolutely. And you know what? If Shane Shane Beamer gets fired. Solid ground to you? Yes. Here's the thing. You could probably be the interim. You were not going to get promoted out of Georgia State to another head coaching job with how things are going. That is the funniest take that I've heard this morning. The cover three tailgate, as things got rocking and rolling, somebody said there's blood in the water. (laughs) Sean Elliott smells his opportunity. (laughs) We've got ourselves a regular Ed Odron on our hands, boys. This guy is going to, he's like, you boys need an interim? I can step in right there. But look, so Jamar. I just want to say this. Okay. One, One final thing. When it's happening time and time again, and every single coach that's doing it is mentioning this as part of the reason for their thought process. How many of them have to say it, bud, before you actually believe, oh, you know what? Maybe they're not lying. Give me like, give me Ryan Day deciding to go take a coordinator job. Like, give me guys who are actually winning at big time programs but who make Ohio who make State doesn't have an NIL problem. They're not the school that's losing players. They're the school. No, that but they, but they have, they still have a dealing with it problem. The head coach at a Big Ten program literally left to become the offensive coordinator at a Big Ten program. Yes, they have no NIL, and Chip hates recruiting and was going to get fired. Again, he was on the hot seat. He almost got fired this year. So NIL is not a problem, but it's one of the reasons he left? You're using it as one of the first examples of why he left, but it's not a problem. It's not having any impact on the decision. It's just one of the reasons. Got it. Give me a guy who wasn't about to get fired who's jumped and used NIL as a reason. I, I I think Anybody, you're any any head coach who is not seriously going to be on the hot seat this upcoming. How many year times has this happened in previous years? A couple times. Give me the example. Yeah, yeah, but has it happened six or seven times every offseason? I think no, we have fewer guys. It's happened once or twice every once in a while. But I for think, some right, reason, guys, everybody's deciding to do it now. But it's not a problem. It's got nothing I, to do with that. Don't believe anything they tell you. I'm I'm still waiting for some names of coaches who are in good spots who did this. Why I would anybody in a good spot leave, NIL. bud? Look, oh, there have been coaches in bad spots every offseason for the last 20 years. They haven't been willing to take a demotion. Like they just sat coach. there and got fired and taken their buyouts. But okay. they're sick of doing this crap. They now just that's want actually out a good now. point. They could have taken the buyout. Chip Kelly's yes. independently wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Chip Kelly's rich as hell, so he can take a $4 million pay cut. Halfley's not taking much of a pay cut. I think you yeah. guys are not, saying I am not because of NIL in different ways. You're not saying the same thing. Because of NIL has like nine different definitions. Because of you're bud, you're asking for somebody who's sick of dealing with NIL. Like, like they know they're gonna get fired and then they blame the NIL as the reason they leave. You know, but I think that the conversation with Georgia State specifically is that Jamari Thrash was a phenomenal player that you developed and then he's gone. And sure. that if Sean Elliott makes a decision that says, I am tired of developing players and then not being able to capitalize on their best seasons of college football, I want out. Now, you can say that is because NIL, because there's an NIL opportunity uh, at a power conference school, but like strip out the because of NIL. I think that there is a way to look at that and say, if I am at a program that is developing power conference level players only to see them leave for their most productive seasons and go play other places with NIL being a part of it, and I don't want to fight that uphill battle anymore, that has to be acknowledged as a factor for any of these decisions of I am not going to be the head coach of this program that has just become a farm system for the, the schools at the top of the pecking order. Sure. Totally agree with that. And it's a huge pain in the ass, but you you do get paid pretty damn well to deal with it. Also, none of the programs against which you're competing are able to retain their players either. So 
That's where I don't buy it as an analogy to the UCLA situation because there are teams in the Big Ten that can keep their players and retain them, whereas UCLA, you know, maybe not with their NIL situation. Nobody in the Sun Belt is keeping a good player if a legitimate team comes calling. They're just not. So you're not competing against anybody who can retain big-time players. And I just want to be clear. It's so frustrating. Also, you can finish fourth and fifth with two of your best rosters you're ever going to have. Like, Georgia State's probably going to really, really suck this year, and he was going to get fired. I'm not saying NIL and all this stuff is the only reason these coaches are doing it. I'm saying NIL and all this stuff is one of the leading factors for why these coaches are doing it. And the fact that we are currently in a state where nobody knows what the hell the future of this sport is as far as the kind of labor-student relation of what it's going to be. Sure. And these coaches have to deal with these headaches, and a lot of them just don't want to have to deal with the headache. And they all do have separate reasons for it. But this to pretend that this isn't part of it, which I think, and I don't think you're doing this, bud. I'm talking about a lot of just other people are pretending, oh, it's got nothing to do with it. They're just using it as an excuse. That's that's just as disingenuous as what the coaches are saying. I, I think in many cases they like they are just using an excuse and, and they they just kind of tell friendly media who just parrot it without any kind of critical thinking. It's like, oh, he's leaving because of NIL. I I, I like Matt Barry today tweeted out, and I think Matt's a sharp guy. So I, I talked to Sean Elliott at the Senior Bowl, and, and you know he was complaining about NIL. Guess what? He didn't jump last year. Georgia State didn't have any NIL last year. Why? Because he thought he had a good team last year because he had Darren Granger. And now that's now that Georgia State loses every damn player, right? Because most of them graduated because he had a very old team last year. Now he knows they're probably going to suck. And now all of a sudden it's that big of a problem that he, that he needs to leave for an assistant job in the SEC. To me, the bigger problem is they've already started spring practice. Oh, that's bad. I forgot that. That is that, a huge problem. That I wonder if, if they're allowed to pause. Is there actually a rule that you have to, to, to do your spring practice within a certain number of days? Because you only get a certain number of practices. I don't know. You do spread it out to account for spring break, that kind of stuff. Right. So maybe you pause it. Just say – Hold on. Like go back to the COVID years. We're just gonna pause. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> disruptive. I mean, it's it stinks because I I don't even know how to start the what's next for Georgia State conversation because they the stat the skeleton staff tries its best to keep everything together. I guess. Um. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be a, a tough scene. Uh. For uh. For Robbie Callen's fighting Panthers moving forward. So. You know. I, I wonder how many teams are going to be able to walk into the TED and walk out victorious. Plenty. Used to be Plenty. you never walked into the TED. You used you to never so walk into the TED. I mean, my guess here is that it'll be somebody who's somewhat connected to either App State or Atlanta because Charlie Cobb, the AD, was at App State right. for a while, and then he's been at Georgia State for for a long time. Scott um, Satterfield to Georgia State. That's another job, too, that people are like, oh, that's 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 kind of a sleeping giant job. But the sneaky thing is, the cost of living in Atlanta is not real cheap. And if your head coach is only making seven fifty, wh- what do you think analysts make at Georgia State? Yeah, how, like how far away do you have to live if you want to have a family? Like, does, I don't know if Georgia State actually has analysts. I assume they, they have maybe one or two. A lot of G five teams only have one or two. But it's hard to keep good assistance in these major metro areas. USC and UCLA struggle with this as well. By the way. That's why you have to have like friendly boosters and, and the university helping out with uh, housing allowance and whatnot for some of your lesser paid staffers. Mm. 
Look, it is it is a move that just, you know, you write it down and you say uh, uh, Sean Elliott leaves to go become uh, the tight ends coach at South Carolina and throw all context out the window. You're like, okay, that's interesting. But the reason why it gets um, this, this kind of discussion is that it is a, a storyline. It is, as Tom said, a bigger deal that people are making it out to be and a smaller deal that people are making it out to be. Uh, I think I saw in uh, in the cover, let me see if I can actually get this one because I, I meant to give credit earlier. NIL is both the reason and a scapegoat. You know? Mm-hmm. A reason, not the reason. Right. I, I think um, unlimited transfers is almost certainly a bigger reason, by the way. Yeah. yeah. That's- if we actually want to talk about procedural stuff, the inability or the the ability for kids to transfer at will now, just as coaches can, really at any time, as long as you pay a buyout, is I think more of a hassle. Because in fact, took transfer. Yeah, say Mike, you know, you're you, this is your second show producing for us. I want you to go back in the audio and I want you to dub over every time I say nil, say nil and the transfer portal. It's like, uh, yeah, Tim there, as you can see, youtube.com slash cover three, Tim said NIL is a problem and a scapegoat. It's great. It can work for everything. It's like one of those uh, words in the language that can just can mean all kinds of stuff. Allora. All right. So coming up on the other side, we're going to start to take those questions from the cover three tailgate and the big old bag of mail beginning with, and I think this is still like a little bit of echoes of last weekend. If you had one drive, the game on the line, what quarterback would you be taking and who is drawing up the plays? That and more next. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back here on the Cover 3 Podcast. Thursdays are a day for to hang out with all y'all in the Cover 3 tailgate, both live and also uh, from you know whenever you get a chance to catch us. But this one is from our friend Gregory, who jumped in at 8.01 a.m. Eastern Time. Gregory was on it. We appreciate those kind of early bird activity. Gregory says, one final drive with the game on the line. Which quarterback are you taking and who is drawing up the plays? Parentheses, this is the qualifier, all time, and it's just college football based. God, I don't know. Um, Who am I playing? What's the situation? (laughs) Like certain teams, I might want a more mobile quarterback. Some teams, I might just want a passer. Um, All right, well, fine. I get it. Joe Burrow. Yeah, 
I, I was in Austin for that LSU Texas game week two, and Texas just kept, and it was te- at Texas, and and they're just coming back with just like answer and answer and answer, and every single time Joe Burrow was like, "Cool, give me the ball." I think he had, I think they had seven hundred yards of offense in that game, and it was just every single time he got the ball in a back and forth shootout game, he was like, "I got you, I got you." The Alabama game, you know, later on in that season, you know, any single time they needed an answer, I got you, I got you. Come on, give me the ball. College football base, and look, I know that we don't have the clarification that I get Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall and Thaddeus Moss, but everything we've seen from Joe Burrow since then, and I just, I mean, that dude is just uh, unreal at being able to execute under pressure. That is actually the version of uh, football that I have decided to show my uh, my almost two-year-old has taken a big interest to football right now. Like the one is about to turn four. Like he got it early, but he's not as like into it, into it now. But uh, Pooch is into it a lot. And when he wa- wants to watch football, I just do LSU 2019 highlights on YouTube. And he's like, duh, So I'm going to go Joe Burrow as my quarterback. And uh, I'll, I'll say who's calling plays. I don't want, is, are there any like awesome elite late game schemers in college football? I don't know that it's scheme at that point as much as it's talent. Um, yeah, right. Just execution. Maybe, maybe just somebody who fits. Like you probably yeah. don't want a spread option guy for Joe Burrow. Right. Like pick pick a guy that that really you know, like good pass game stuff. Honestly, this is going to be sacrilegious, but Saban's talked about like the toughest guy he ever faced off in practice was Jimbo. Oh, like if you wanted to run a really, really complex offense and you got Joe Burrow, who can probably understand it. It's not a bad one to go with. Uh, I'll take Cam Newton and Steve Spurrier. Damn it. OK, yeah, because <laughs> to me, that's that's actually the right answer. Not the Spurrier part, but the go ahead. Sorry, well, Cam Newton, for sure. Play caller. I'm not really that concerned about. Just give me Cam Newton <laughs> in the final minute on the final drive. Because, yeah, especially if he's not playing on that Auburn offense and he actually has receivers and <laughs> running backs available to play with. I mean, forget forget like the Auburn example. I was going back to look at Super Bowl 50 in advance of this one. Yeah, Ted Ginn, geriatric Ted Ginn, Philly Brown. I mean, was... you know, geriatric Ted Ginn is still running like a 4-4. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I want to go Cam Newton, and I'm going to reunite him with a guy that almost I, I think would have probably like stopped the save and run, or at least made it slow down. Dan Mullen, mm. like they almost oh, yeah. they, they almost did it at Florida before Cam you know threw the stolen laptop out the window. So like if if that doesn't happen, I, I think Cam beats out Tim Tebow, and like we never really have the whole Tim Tebow experience. It, Cam Newton's the best college ball player I've ever seen, regardless of position. It was just, it, it was like you playing you playing against punt. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Dan Mullen is a guy just scheme and, and skills fit, like dude who really understands how to use a mobile quarterback. Uh, to me, that Vince, would have been pretty unstoppable. Vince Young is getting a lot of love. I'm seeing from uh, from the Cover Three tailgate. Um, let's see, you know, you said Jimbo. Jameis cooked Auburn at the in the second half and like in that those final moments of that national championship game was some some pretty stellar play with that little combination right there. They also cooked him with Kelvin Benjamin just being gigantic. 
That's the good news if you're going to throw it high. Yeah, <laughs> throw it up there. He's like seven feet tall. He'll get it. They have it. Have you been to practice? Like they did rep that. Like like it was. Hey, like if you miss, it needs to go through the goalposts. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's because high, he's gonna, yeah, it's high only. Yeah. It's high Especially. only. That's the only miss that you're going to have there. Yeah. Um, Deshaun Watson was excellent in clutch situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I I also think some of that was uh, I, I don't know how much of that was scheme. If I remember correctly, it's a lot of it's a lot of Mike Williams coming down with 50-50 balls on like very well covered situations because he was just phenomenal. Uh, I see I see a Joe Burrow plus Mike Leach. I would take that all day. That would be a lot of fun. I'd want somebody who actually ran the ball once. Well, in Joe a final Burrow, drive, you know, yeah, and Joe Burrow running the ball is a Joe Burrow decision. You, you could pick right? up fifteen to twenty yards on just a draw in those situations pretty often. This is true. Mike would never even consider it. Spencer Petrus and Brian Ferentz. Brandon, I, I hear you right there. <laughs> that is, Brandon, I am, I'm sorry for whatever you have to go through. <laughs> but I'm glad you survived. Ryan in the chat says, funny, nobody mentioned Trevor Lawrence. That's a good point, actually. Like, that was really, really good. Oh, no, 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 but <laughs> yeah. that's not a last minute. Yeah, that's not like. They dog walked Alabama in his yeah. time of game. Trevor's yeah. just simply too good in the first three quarters to qualify for this question. Sorry. Trevor was excellent when they beat Ohio State in the semi. Like, that is no doubt. Um, yeah, that's a good one. What? Sports Mahoney, give me Florida Gators, Urban Meyer, and Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah. That oh, would be nasty. shoot. <laughs> oh, that's probably the best. Yeah. Florida Gators, Urban Meyer, plus Lamar Jackson. All right, I'll take that. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and let's dive into the big old bag of mail. Uh, always appreciate when uh, our mailbag listeners like to reach out and you go and you leave us a five-star review. In that review, you put your mailbag question, tackle it in a future mailbag episode. This one ties into our headline here that you see on YouTube.com. Uh, Eric chimes in and says, love the pod. Win totals for the Big Ten. Currently, there are six teams with five and a half on FanDuel. Make every moment more. He didn't say that. I did. Northwestern, Rutgers, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State, UCLA. I will say that again. Northwestern, Rutgers, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State, UCLA. As of today, who is your most confident over to make a bowl game and which one are you most confidently under? Which brings about our favorite game, bowl or no bowl for 2024. So we've got uh, six of the 18 Big Ten teams are on that five and a half line uh, over at FanDuel Sportsbook as of Sunday. So let's play the game, boys. UCLA year one under Deshaun Foster, bowl or no bowl? kind of talked about this the other day. I think Bud's on bowl. I'm on no bowl. No bowl? I'm on bowl. Yeah. Uh, what about Michigan State year one, Jonathan Smith? I'm on bowl. Yeah, I'm on bowl. I think oh, if you like, okay. Let's, let's elaborate. I, I You get FAU and Prairie View and non-con. So there's your two wins. You get at BC is your other non-con, which is not guaranteed, but it's winnable. In conference, you've got you know, again, you've got Ohio State, you've got at Oregon, you've got at Michigan. You're not winning any of those games, but at Maryland, 
Iowa at home, Indiana at home, at Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers. There's winnable games there. Like, you can get to six wins. What's up, DK? This guy. Not good. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. We shared that photo. I <laughs> should have. I mean, it was, uh, it was not good. They couldn't get me numb where I couldn't feel the nerve, so I kept getting, like, these zingers with the drill we went four blocks which i guess normally is one or two blocks to numb you up mm. yeah it was a long morning i apologize for being late i did yeah. not expect what happened and it's not done that's the worst part about it there's nothing <laughs> solved oh, sorry about that but you went and we're proud of you for doing yeah, that's it. A, that was the, the key of the discussion you have in the last couple of years really overcome your fear of the dentist to the point that you're going in to, to get the stuff taken care of so good job danny it's not right. doing much to uh, soothe my fears when stuff like today happens. <laughs> anyway, back right. to the show. So, yeah, we are playing bowl or no bowl in 2024. As uh, listener Eric chimed in from the big old bag of mail, pointing out that the following teams all have five and a half as their win total. Uh, UCLA, Michigan State, Rutgers, Illinois, Indiana, and Northwestern. Right now we've got um, – Bowl for Bud and UCLA, no bowl for Tom. Both bowl for Michigan State. Year one, Jonathan Smith for Michigan State. Danny, would you go bowl or no bowl? Uh, I'll go over. What is it? Five and a half is the total. Yeah, I'll all these teams bowling. are going to be all these teams are going to be five and a half. We're kind of sort of dividing up who lands on what side of the fence. I think Jonathan Smith is going to be. I mean, I think it's going to be a change in culture, change in direction. I think they'll have a very clear identity. This is a program that's just been kind of beat down since the one hit wonder that was Mel Tucker's first year. Um, so I think it's, I think it's manageable. Non-conference is pretty manageable. FAU, Louisiana, they can get it done. Important year to get it done as well. I like the staff uh, Jonathan Smith put together. I think that there's a, there's a lot of reasons I think for Sparty to be excited, but I'll let you take a lead on this one. Your favorite team, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I, I, think bowl or no bowl. I think Rutgers has a chance to go to a bowl. So look at their 2024 schedule. It's it's never easy, but it's kind of manageable. So they go Howard Akron at the Hokies, host Washington. That's a Washington team that is entirely rebuilt at Nebraska, host Wisconsin, host UCLA at USC off week, host Minnesota at Maryland, host Illinois at Michigan State. I mean, there's some names on there I don't see. Where's Oregon? Not there. Where's Michigan? Where's Ohio State? Where's Penn State? They ain't on there. Being over on UCLA and Rutgers, I think, is difficult. I tend I to think, agree. But I think that game is a. I think that's a game for both of them. It's in Piscataway, but if you're going both of them over, you're violating that rule of like too many overs potentially. Let, let me ask you this: Should PJ Fleck have taken the UCLA job? No, because they're not even on this list, and their FanDuel win total is four and a half. Minnesota's is yes, like Minnesota is projected below all of these teams. That's why I think it actually is feasible to be over on UCLA and Rutgers because the Vegas guys think Minnesota flat out sucks. Like, I'll take the over on Minnesota. Though. I will tell you, yeah, I, I generally agree. I mean, for it, it's hard to go four and eight. I think given that you probably have a couple of non-con wins, I need to pull their schedule up. But I, I am over on Rutgers. I, I think the the Wimsat experience is done, mercifully. I believe 
So, yeah, but you know who his replacement is? I, I honestly, he's really bad, man. I, I, <laughs> tell I hope tell the people, fine. Tom, Tom, let's, let's not make Well, this we were just talking about PJ. The replacement <laughs> looks like it's going to be PJ's old quarterback, Ethan <laughs> Kaliak Manis. So, yes. Oh, boy. I would take Kaliak Manis over Gavin, too. I just wouldn't take him like to dinner or anything. I might, you know, <laughs> take him to take him to a cliff somewhere and push him off. Hey, <laughs> you see with the violence of the, the Creek rifle. Come on. All right. So what about Illinois? Not overly optimistic, honestly, about this season. I think that, uh, they got a tough schedule, and what worries me about them is that, you know, like last year, they had to replace nearly their entire secondary, and that impacted them, but they still had pretty much everybody back on the offensive and defensive lines who mattered, and they brought in some transfers. This year, they're replacing a whole hell of a lot of production on their defensive line. They're going to have a mostly new offensive line. They're losing, I think, their top three or four receivers, um, and they've got a difficult schedule. Like, you got Eastern Illinois to open. That's a win, but you get Kansas. It's at home but it's still Kansas. Central Michigan should be a win, but then you open Big Ten play with two road games at Nebraska, at Penn State. You have a bye. You come home and you get Purdue, but you've struggled with Purdue the last few years, and after that, you get Michigan coming to Champaign, and then you get to head to Eugene to take on Oregon, then you get Minnesota at home, and then you finish with the most, the quote-unquote easiest stretch of your schedule, including three teams in this question, Michigan State, at Rutgers, at Northwestern. So I can see Illinois missing a bowl game this year. Again, mm. but a lot of it will depend on Luke Altmeyer and if anybody emerges at receiver. Same, no bowl. I mean, it's hard to go against Bielema, but if you're if I'm already if I'm already bowling on UCLA, Michigan State, and Rutgers, I I, I have some I have some coming here that are gonna be no bowl. So I'll slightly no bowl, but yeah, the returning production in the schedule is difficult. Speaking of returning production. Bill Connolly next Wednesday. Come We're very Confirm. excited about that. He's got his returning production rankings out, released the first round of SP plus as well. Hey, is this never mind? Well, I'll save that for a conversation with him. Danny, are you same thing with Illinois? Probably. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Right. I'm on under. What about Danny? What about Kurt Signetti? Year one with the Indiana Hoosiers. They, they're giving him a five and a half, a whole win higher than PJ Fleck bowl or no bowl for Indiana. Uh, their one bright spot, Soresby last year is gone, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. I see three. I see a three and one start. FIU. <laughs> Who's WIU? Western Illinois. Western Illinois. Okay. The fighting Leathernecks. I see three wins. I don't think they win on the road at UCLA. Maryland, I don't see them winning. Northwestern is a toss up. Curtis Rourke disrespect right here. If Curtis, oh, Rourke, that's right. If yeah, the, if Curtis, is he bringing the wagon with him? Yeah. up the wagon. <laughs> if Curtis Rourke cannot get bitten by a snake or catch diphtheria as he's guiding the wagon across the river, then yeah, possibly. I, I will think- say, of possible Big Ten schedules, Indiana catches the most like it's hard to say this when you're playing literally michigan and ohio state in back-to-back games although there is a buy-in between but other than that 
You don't have Oregon. You don't have Penn State. You've got UCLA, Maryland, Northwestern, Nebraska, a completely different Washington team, Michigan State, Purdue. Like it is one of the more manageable conference schedules you're going to see out there. But yeah, I don't know. I'd probably be under here. Yeah, I'm under. Um, I think the, in particular, the, the stretch that you have to close the season is, is pretty difficult. I mean, they, like that five game start, they almost have to be four and one. Mm-hmm. If, if they're, if they're three and two, I don't see three remaining games in the closing stretch of Nebraska. Washington at Michigan State, Michigan at Ohio State, Purdue. Like three there means that 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 seems really really difficult to me. So I'm going to go under. I I do think Signetti's a good coach, but yeah. they've got like five and one, four and two start, then five game losing streak kind of written into that schedule. Yeah, get, so get day, uh, a future day trading Danny segment. The Indiana right. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah. <laughs> Indiana cracking the top 25 of the AP poll. Sell heavy. <laughs> but let's not forget if they do go five and seven, that's an improvement for where they've been the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. I think five and seven is a good start to the yeah. Signetti era. Six and, and six would be awesome. That staff is made up. Its core is the JMU staff. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that. Things are looking up uh, for Indiana, but we've got uh, a bunch of no bowls here. And finally, David Braun wowed everybody with what he was able to do. So now here comes uh, the 2024 season. Northwestern schedule gets a little bit more difficult bowl or no bowl for the Wildcats in 2024. I don't know. No bowl. I'm just going to bet on regression. They overperformed last year. I'm going to guess that there's some sort of course correction. Who's their 12th game that I'm not seeing on here? A uh, non-con? They've got their non-con is Miami, Ohio, Duke, and Eastern Illinois. One and two. <laughs> you think they're a lock against Duke? No, I said one and two. I was on the oh, game Eastern Illinois. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's this is a really difficult team to figure out because like I I have no idea how they did what they did last year. And I don't know what's really improved or what's really gotten worse. So like I said, I just feel like they overperformed last year and it's gonna bounce back on them. I'm I just like am I that high on Maryland or Washington or Iowa or Purdue or Illinois? No, I but Shoot. Maryland and Washington and Iowa going up against Northwestern in a year when they don't have like and they're all road games like magic powers that you know or or just like whatever's happened for them to exceed their projected performance. Yeah, like even with a different Washington, I have a difficult time thinking Northwestern's going to go into Husky Stadium and win that game. I mean, we're talking about a a, a pretty pretty close gap here in terms of of win total projection. There's only like a game and a half difference from those, those teams just mentioned and Northwestern uh, that I guess I'll go no bowl just because of the way I've picked it so far, but the, these are all somewhat tough. I, yeah. No, no bowl for me. No bowl for Northwestern. Again, uh, we, we love this. And I saw a conversation in the tailgate, you know, when, when are we going to do our actual win totals? Well, 
we enjoy to like do our official win total picks and our big time breakdowns when we have as much information as possible. We like to run it into the season. So we'll begin those uh, around in July normally and have it uh, roll out over the course of six or seven weeks uh, leading right into our win totals locks. And of course, week zero and the start of the season. All right, let's jump into, we already got the one final drive. Um, all right, how about this one? Well, coming up on the other side, we got Danny in the house. Tom does mock drafts. Let's, let's, let's begin to uh, let's begin to get a little NFL draft talk. Talking about the quarterbacks at the top. We'll get into that and more next. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast going to the live uh cover three tailgate uh ryan jumping in says what do you think in the shift in wins for the nfl draft at quarterback Daniels, Jaden Daniels over May, Drake May is growing as well as top 15 JJ McCarthy for what it's worth. And Ryan says he disagrees with both, but Danny, I'm more interested in what you have to say. What do you think about the shift in wins as it comes to the stock of the quarterback picture in the NFL draft? I think you see a lot of shake up here because people are bored of having the same top three and they need to shake it up just to make things a little interesting before the final mock drafts are in place. I like Jaden Daniels, but there's no way I'm taking him over Drake May. I'm a big Drake, Fay, uh, Drake May stan. 
Um, so much to the point where I think the gap between him and Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams is pretty minimal. Um, you know, so like they have to consider that. I think Daniels, he's he's like I keep hearing him as this electric runner compared to Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's as great a runner as Lamar Jackson was coming out or the way Lamar Jackson has run it in the NFL. I think he's really good. But I think Lamar Jackson had another level that I don't know if Daniels does. And also his build is slight. Like if you're going to build an offense around that style of quarterback, you better be durable. And like that, that concerns me because I do think he needs his legs to succeed. And so I think there's some risk there with the injury factor. Tom, and, or go ahead. I'll just say JJ McCarthy, top 15, no way to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he will. He'll be a top fit. He might be a top 10 pick. He might. We're going to have four quarterbacks in the top 10, or you think McCarthy's just going to pass Daniel? Wait, oh. I think McCarthy could be the third quarterback taken in this draft. A how third on this, my board. How much of this stuff do we trust this early on? Not much. Um, I don't trust what you hear from teams. I, I just talk from what I talk to other evaluators and what I see myself. I think JJ McCarthy has got a very good chance to be the third quarterback going off the board. Because my board right now is. Caleb and May are in their own tier, and then I have McCarthy third, and then another tier is like Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix. What and do you say? To elaborate on the McCarthy point, because I do, because I do think that if that you is- put JJ McCarthy in Washington or Oregon's offense, he'd have better numbers. He has a better arm. He has he's very athletic. If you look at him mobility wise, in the pocket wise, he gets through progressions quickly. He's not as good outside the numbers with his throws, but if you look up the middle of the field and down the seams, he unleashes some freaking lasers against, you know, like we weren't watching a lot of Michigan early in the year because they were dog walking teams, but I've been watching a lot of the earlier games and he's made some throws I didn't see during the regular season because I wasn't paying close attention that are just kind of like, wow. So like it's the knock on McCarthy is most fans didn't really watch him until the Penn State game in which they just didn't throw the ball and he was hurt. There was the Ohio State game where he made an incredible throw for a touchdown that Ohio State will tell you was an interception, and I don't know what it, whether it was or not, but it was an incredible throw either way. And he played well and made key throws at the end of the game against Alabama in the title game. He just wasn't asked to throw 50 times a game because that's not the way Michigan plays. So people are just kind of box score scouting and saying, wow, but that's not how NFL teams evaluate these guys. They want to look at their traits and what their ability to do, how they progress and all that kind of stuff. And I look at Jaden Daniels, and I'm with you, Danny. I like Jaden Daniels a lot. But the problems I have with him are he did make big strides this year. But this is a guy who has now thrown 1,400 passes at the college level and is still very much a one-reader run. And if you've got that much experience at this point and you're still really not getting to your second read, I don't know how excited NFL teams are going to be about that. And also, as you mentioned, he's slight of frame. And I love the mentality from a heart standpoint. But <laughs> as far as future, this dude does not understand there are sidelines and that you could slide. He seeks out contact, which, again, I absolutely love it from an approach mentality like he's a dog. But he's going to get killed at the NFL level if he keeps doing it. If So why do we think McCarthy is not good outside the numbers? or is not as good outside the numbers. Because if you look at it, like, formation-wise, everybody had to load up against the run game so much, and he had two... He does, he's just not as accurate for whatever reason when he reaches outside the numbers. The accuracy dips. But up the seams, and I, I, I part of it to me, 
could just be the offense they were running because a lot of what they did in the passing game was designed for the tight ends. Like Roman Wilson is a very good, I think he's going to be a mid like third round pick and he could be a useful NFL player, but I don't think Michigan really had dudes at wide receiver. Like you see, like Michael Penix obviously has and Bo Nix had Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels. If McCarthy had a Malik neighbors or a Roma Dunze or a Troy Franklin, he might've been a bit better outside the numbers because he would have had, you know, frankly more reps throwing outside the numbers. Uh, Georgia State did postpone spring practice, like we were wondering earlier in the uh, the day. That just makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah, uh, we'll be having much more on the uh, NFL draft, and because guess what? As we have detailed year in and year out, Ryan Wilson knows what he's talking about. Ryan Wilson comes on here. We know that guy's grinding on Saturdays just like we are. A lot of the NFL draft conversation, they don't know we. We, we got you covered right here. It's not going to be our everything with the first pick. That's a fantastic job, but we will be dipping into, you know, some combine reactions. It's one of Tom's favorite, the golden dumbbell awards that we like to give out, you know, to the best performers at the end of the combine NFL draft previews and the like. Okay. Back into the big old bag of mail. This one's been lingering around for a while. So uh, we're finally going to get to Lindsey Buckingham here. So question where someone gave us a five-star review and put the question in it. Uh, AW09 says, can we talk about how Virginia Tech will be next year's Louisville in the ACC? For some context here, um, you know, we'll be talking about this with Bill Connolly next week when he joins the show, but Virginia Tech comes in a little bit higher than you might expect in some of those uh, off-season metrics and projections. Virginia Tech also has a schedule that is set up very favorable. So when the ask is, can Virginia Tech be this year's Louisville? Um, you know, but I'm assuming that that is, you're probably not the second best team in the ACC from a like power rating standpoint, right. but because you have enough answered from a personnel-wise and a, and a schedule that's manageable, you could find yourself in the ACC championship conversation. Um, what, what, Bud, what do you make of the Hokies uh, here in 2024? Yeah, so Virginia Tech did a really nice job, I think maybe sneakily so, with their retention this offseason. They, they, they managed to get the NIL money right and kept, I think, Basically, everybody they wanted to keep, or almost everybody they wanted to keep, off what was a an improving team down the stretch last year. And you could you could tell me like, hey, they they smoked a, a dead man walking Q's team, and that's that's fair. And they, they kind of the same thing to Boston College when, when BC was was pretty beat up and and you know, just trying to scrounge together enough wins to make a bowl. Uh, but they still showed a, a good bit of improvement under Pry, and I think there is a chance here because. Just go through it. At Vandy, favored. Marshall, definitely favored. At Old Dom, definitely favored. I mean, you really haven't left sort of that you know, North Carolina, Virginia uh, area so far. Host Rutgers, you're favored. At Miami on a Friday night, you're you're a dog. Miami's probably undefeated in that, like going to that game, so I, I would expect their fans probably do show up. But again, Miami's doing okay when they played that UVA team that had Brennan Armstrong two or three years ago and they definitely didn't show up for that. And that was, that was a weeknight game. Like the last one I can, I can recall at home over a decent team. So still not an easy place to play. You're, you're still a dog there, but not a huge dog. Like you're not, you're not 14 at Miami um, at Stanford. You're favored. Then you get a bye week, which is nice to come back from the West coast to have the bye week host BC. 
host Georgia Tech, at Cuse, host Clemson, off, at Duke, host UVA. Their their road schedule is uh, is pretty favorable overall, and I like getting games like Georgia Tech, Boston College, Virginia, Rutgers at at home because I think, I think those are games you can definitely win. So, yeah, man, I could certainly see Vatek making the uh, the ACC title game. They might be like the fifth best team in the league and could still make it if if they if they run right and they win the correct game. Kyron Drones is a player too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he started to flash matter. towards the end of the year. You're bringing him back. He could be pretty special for the Hokies at quarterback. And I, you know, talking to Brent Pry, I do think he's he's done a good job building a pretty solid culture there. There's buy-in. You know, they're still they got something solid to build around too. I got a buddy of mine whose son committed to play there, and he was telling me some of the details about what they've done and kind of. You know, it's it, it's just they're doing the, they're doing it the right way. So I'm I'm pretty pumped up for them. Think they could be one of those surprise teams. You know who I think is going to be the surprise team in the ACC? Yeah, not SMU. Not doubt. I doubt like ACC title game surprise, but I think they'll surprise people based on their schedule. Kyle McCord and the Fight Orange from Syracuse. You looked at their Ooh. schedule. Yeah, it's very favorable. Uh huh. Like their non-con is Ohio Holy Cross at UNLV. And then they get UConn at home late in the year. But in conference, they get Georgia Tech at home, Stanford at home. They're on the road for NC State and Pitt, but they get Tech at home. BC's on the road, Cal's on the road, and Miami at home. There's no Clemson. No Florida State. Florida State. I'm just, it's, this is a team that could surprise people. Like, I don't know what their win total is right now, but I'm kind of leaning over. And that, my, that Miami game could be really interesting. If Miami's season comes off a little bit and they're not reaching expectations, that could be a winnable game for Syracuse. It's six and a half right now. Wow, that seems a little too much for my. <laughs> you know, I'm still I'm still hopeful, but over six and a half seems a little much. It's because you believe in the schedule, you don't really believe in the team. No, I, look, I think that there's enough through the portal to be able, like it, Tom. I feel like you were saying that, thinking that we were going to get a first year coach, Fran Brown, is probably going to catch a four and a half or a five. Like, yeah, I could see this team winning seven games. Mm-hmm. Really getting to seven and counting it up might be a little bit more difficult, yeah. but I like Wait, it. Wait, the total six and a half or seven and a half? Six, six. and a half. Okay, I could see over. I'm believing in the I over. Can, I could see it. I just, I'm not betting it. Do they Asking get, Syracuse to win seven games feels Again, like as Chip pointed out earlier, we haven't even had spring practice yet. I, I think <laughs> one of the things I don't like for them is Georgia Tech's offense should still be rolling, and they got to play Georgia Tech early. Mm-hmm. Like I'll tell you right now, I, I think that Georgia Tech game is, is a huge pain in the ass for FSU to play them in Ireland because that that offense down the stretch for for the Yellow Jackets was really good. Now that defense still sucks, I think, but we'll see if they can take another step offensively. I would expect Georgia Tech to come out humming and score points on people. So you know, they they Q starts Ohio, Georgia Tech, Stanford, Holy Cross, at UNLV, at NC State. Yeah, Tom just read the schedule. I'm just saying, like, the start of it is – I kind of like – but, like, Stanford's going to be ready for them, too. You know, that, that's are – they, are they much better than Stanford in year two? We got time to figure that out. Yeah, I, this will be interesting. But I'm, hey, listen, this is, this is a Kyle McCord fan podcast. That's right. <laughs> we believe. All right, one last one from the tailgate. Well, we can answer real quickly. Just – I don't think this is a um, – 
I'm curious to hear what you got to say. Don, uh, what's up, Don? A question on spring practice and game timing. I noticed that Liberty has moved their schedule back more than a month. Practices in February and spring game March 2nd. This is an interesting question. Can you discuss the pros and cons of your spring practice and game timing strategy? I'll say one of the – do you want me to give them to you? Pros are weather is better, like the later you push it. The cons are injuries come into play. I think it's pretty simple, isn't it? Like well, the earlier you get wait. spring football out of it. I was going to say it changes year to year. If I was a head coach, I would never have one time that I say, this is when we do it, and it has to do with off-season surgeries. At yeah. the end of every single season, I'm going to take a stock of the general health of my roster, and if we have a lot of guys or big numbers and need to get stuff cleaned up, then yeah, maybe I am going to be pushing something back. But if we've got a lot of good work and a lot of good momentum at the end of the season and our roster is healthy, I might be more encouraged to try to get after it and you know jump right back into it, get the work done uh, in spring practice. For me, the, there is no perfect time without knowing the health of your roster. And I would say the health of your roster should determine how you line up the timing. In addition to things like, you know, can you do, do you have the facilities and the weather to be able to make it all work? But I, I think that it kind of should be a year to year shifting basis, depending on how you're doing. The other thing I would point out there is that I, I do think that we have, um, it gives you a better feel for what you have on your roster. If you need to start kind of preparing and back channeling transfers mm. to go earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They also did play a game two weeks later than they probably expected. Playing what, on New Liberty, Year's Day. The example of Liberty, for example, yeah. instead yeah. of playing in the Cure Bowl, they were yeah. playing in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, so all of a sudden, let's buy a little exactly. bit extra time. <laughs> Tom, you got any thoughts on spring practice game uh, time? The earlier that Liberty practices, the bigger Caden Salter's helmet needs to be to cover up all the balaclavas he's wearing under there because he's freezing. <laughs> the the face to helmet ratio yes. in Salter. How does that even was, work? Did, did you guys did you guys watch the Flintstones? What was the name of the little green alien? Oh yeah, that, that's who oh. Kate Salter looked like in the Fiesta. Totally did. <laughs> Wasn't he like from another cartoon that crossed over? Wasn't it like a crossover I, cartoon? Hannah Barbera. Yeah, Barbera. Bar yeah. Chat. What was the name of the little alien guy in the foot? Gazoo. There you go. Thank you. Sit down. <laughs> Don knows everything. Yeah, we appreciate the great that. Great kazoo. Justin's. Um, and the other thing that I would do, there are some teams that use spring practice as a, not spring break, they use spring break as like a breakup of practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. I feel coming like. I, back when, we're, <laughs> you come back in bad shape from spring break. And like so, yeah, but it also, but I, but it's, it is helpful. Because then you ensure your guys don't get too crazy and you can yes. get back into shape a little bit. So there is a strategy to why the coaches do it. Okay. I hated it. So did you That's have those it. situations where spring practice would be broken up by spring break? Yeah, we did a couple before and then majority of it after in the spring game. You know, and wasn't later. the first one back a wasted day? Oh, my gosh. Guys puking all over the place. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, it was brutal. But at least you kind of got them back into, the, you know, back into the rhythm. You could get all that out of them before you know summer hit. Yeah, if you're only given 15, I think that's that's tough to just know that one of them is just going to be a vomit a vomit spilling <laughs> off everywhere as everybody's trying to fight through um, what happened down at Panama City Beach uh, over over the course of the weekend. Club La Villa. 
Yeah, let's go. Oh, is that place still around? I don't know. I don't know. It might be. That place was legendary. There was another one. What was the other one right next to it? There was a couple there in PC. It, uh, it's just the strip, right? I mean, it's just. Yeah. Like, yeah. There were two spots that were right there. Mm, incredible stuff. All right. We will be back uh, next week. We mentioned we've got Bill Connolly coming up next week to uh, join the show. Talk a little bit about returning production, uh, the early outlooks on the college football season from the SP Plus and ratings perspective. Lots of fun stuff to go, and we appreciate you rocking along with us. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. See ya. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus.